you really listen. Like we've been asking for this fix for like months now. You did it like, guys, thank you. Like we spent hours on your platform. You fixed it. Yes. And that was like, you know, like an you know, like a hell yeah moment for, for, for us, uh, because a lot of people were working on this. We, we did a lot of heavy lifting and that data really paid off. So welcome to the business ownership podcast brought to you by awareness strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, George, George, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Michelle. It's my pleasure always. So awesome. really happy to see you. Thanks for enjoying. Absolutely. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Uh, well, uh, in a nutshell, I have been doing marketing for about 10 uh, years, over 10 years now. Uh, I started in a transnational company, basically, as, as a uh, marketing intern and fell in love with the craft uh not so much with with the office culture and you know all the corporate stuff though it was like a hell of a school there and i think it's just an amazing experience for any young professional to uh, be able to experience that you know like established processes you know like due diligence and people who actually are really really good at what they do because it really gives you like a sense of ownership place and I mean, apart, I mean, like, you know, being, you know, uh, a part of the hustle culture is amazing. And it's really cool when you tackle challenges and figure out stuff on your own. That's great. But it's also, I think, very beneficial to know, like, how the, you know, the big players, like the sharks in the ocean, do it. And, you know, just to get acquainted with best practices and you know, what's what's out there. So anyway, uh, from there, uh, uh, I had a very interesting career switching from real estate development to IT and basically coming full circle back to marketing. So right now I'm running my own agency. It's called Quirk Digital. Currently we're operating in two countries and uh, well, a small announcement since we're here uh, that basically we're, we'll be probably expanding to Canada soon. So, you know, that's that's good news. That's amazing news for us. Um, and like what we do, what I do uh, is basically organic marketing for uh, digital products, for startups, for companies. And we mostly fo focus on B2B clients. So long story short, that's it. Very cool. Well, congratulations on your Canadian expansion. And, <laughs> and if nothing else... Right. And the intention too at this point, and it's all good. So when it comes to serving and supporting, you mentioned B2B operations. So is there any kind of thing in particular that makes B2B different than B2C that makes them kind of your niche? What makes them most fascinating to you? Uh, you know, basically it's the challenges, because uh, uh, obviously, you know, like uh, when you're communicating with uh, B2B clients or businesses and like you're pitching your services and you're getting to know them, their needs, their struggles, their challenges, uh, sometimes they are very typical. I mean, like when, when you get to know the market and when you understand like the, the, the tendencies and like uh, what's happening there, but uh it's uh, also challenging in terms of like demystifying a lot of stuff because like when you're uh, communicating mostly with uh, C-level executives, uh, they have like their own like basically birds fly uh, 
vision of what's happening in ops and especially in marketing ops, like what needs to be done, how it's operating. Because like a lot of people are very focused on revenue. A lot of people are very focused on growth, scalability, because that's understandable. They, they're they in for, for the long term, right? And like providing that sort of bridging that vision with, with ops, with basically bridging the strategy with tactics uh, is I think what makes this like partnership and like this communication most fascinating to me. Because like when, because uh, you know, like, you start talking and people say, yes, SEO, we need like a faster website. We need to be number one on Google and say, yes, like everybody else in the business. <laughs> I mean, um, right. Who then, doesn't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't actually? Uh, and then you like, you start like digging into it, explaining and uh, you understand the processes of the business better. And they understand like the technical side, the basically what's in this, like, What's the difference between like organic marketing, search engine marketing, SEO? Those are not synonyms, you know. And like, what is the best fit? What is their audience? What is their customer journey? Are they struggling with lifetime value? Are they struggling with acquisition costs? So, what they're doing at what state? Like, is it, if it's a startup, for example, is it seed, pre-seed? Like, is it funded? Um, and like, when you have that conversation going, you happen to, you know, you happen across a lot of revelations. And uh, it like it just lights lights people up. I mean, in a good way, obviously. Um, that you know, like uh, you're sharing information, not like in a monologue way, but like they really start to understand how this may blend in into their business. And seeing that bridge work, that gap filled, that's you know what makes me happy at the end of the day. I love it because a lot of people talk about monetizing their websites, but when it comes to B two B in particular. There, when they are also B2B, it tends to make a huge difference on how that happens, depending on the business, depending on the industry, all sorts of fun things can be. If you're the only one in the industry and everybody comes to you, <laughs> okay, that's one thing. But when somebody's looking for you and, the, and how do they look for you and how do you reach out to them, that all becomes very pertinent. Is there any business in particular in the B2B world that you like working with? whether it's when they in turn are B2B or they in turn are B2C, does it matter? Uh, like, oh, I can't say like that I have a favorite, you know, like I have a customer base, I have my prospects, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't want to get in any trouble right now. <laughs> but uh, you know, what I, can well, I know like... we all love our, our children equally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ones that we... maybe have more fascinating issues. Some of them might be a little more straightforward and you go, yeah, that's that's typical and this is how that goes. But when it comes to this, this is a little more interesting and you need to understand more about it. I mean, it can be I, I, I love it how you put it. I love it how you put it, like fascinating issues. I mean, like, uh, I think that's what I should use for my kid. You know, like you have fascinating issues, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. uh, if, if talking about that, uh, um, I'd say I really enjoyed working with telco companies because it's a very, uh, basically it's a small world. It's ama an amazingly small world. And like, when you say that, for example, in, in like for example in home improvement sales everybody knows everyone so they're you know uh, it's basically like a, a huge village so like telcos are even smaller than that in terms of that like people uh know precisely who you're talking about what the band you're talking about what company so like they're very very like the um basically the feedback feedback loops are very very quick very short and the the information is like uh traveling lightning fast across that industry and also it's very new 
niche, obviously. So if you're talking about B2B, so you don't have a huge market. You don't have like a lot of new players or a lot of, I mean, like a huge influx of, of uh, newcomers in it. And that makes for any kind of companies or startups working there uh, even more challenging to like earn their place. And basically because they don't really have that option to, to fight for the blue ocean, you know, like, okay, there, there's plenty of fish in the sea, you know, we'll get a good go to marketing and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get someone. No, <laughs> um, that's not how it works. And that's when, when you face with this kind of challenge, you have to get really creative. Because like you really have to think instead of you know uh, like uh, no no offense men but you know like a PPC or like an advertising person like okay yeah I gotta I gotta pour a lot of cold traffic here somebody will convert no we'll do it so uh, you have to think about the value and like basically that becomes like your daily mantra and uh, I think working with telco companies really uh, helps me make that like a mental shift uh, instead you know practicing what I preach basically so instead Instead of saying that you, yes, we we all need to generate uh, value for uh, your website visitors, for the readers. But when I was basically uh, in a situation when I had no other options uh, as a marketer, uh, then it really pushed my boundaries. And I think it was an amazing experience. And I am looking uh, forward to repeating that again. Right, I love it. Well, and there is a lot of to be said about the dynamics of a website. It seems, you know, fairly straightforward until you realize that you have clients that are potentially, you know, 20 years old and they are not 20 years old in age, but they've had contracts with the company for 20 years now. Some of them are new to the company and want to know what's going on there. And how do you get them and everybody in between them the information that they're looking for quickly, precisely, <laughs> you know, in a way that makes sense to them? Um, because especially with telco companies, I find that somebody that's had a contract with them for 20 years, probably not that apt at the whole online presence thing. They're probably not looking at it on a mobile. And if they are, they want it super simple. <laughs> and then, and then you get the millennials and like, I just want this thing now, but done and off we go. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it, it, it is challenging, uh, in terms of a really, um, clusterizing those like those intents and understanding the needs and in here uh well i mean like if we're talking for example like a a huge SaaS product right um what's i mean irreplaceable in this case and with what may be overlooked uh are internal analytics and usage statistics so basically i mean it's really cool when you're like treating your website as a go-to place where people google for stuff or look for stuff but like if you're talking about your clients people you've already onboarded they're a little bit past that no so they have like their own portal like those fancy support stuff and all that so they dwell in a whole different space and i think it's actually a red flag when your customer of 20 years is trying to Google something on your website. It's like, I mean, guys, you're, you're definitely missing something here. <laughs> so, um, that, that, that's, that's the case where like, uh, you really have to get in it. Well, I really have to get in a little bit with the product teams, with the engineers to get, uh, an understanding of like, uh, what the system is measuring, like what the system is tracking, what it's not tracking, what like kinds of feedback we can utilize, what we have, what we don't and how it's stored, how it's structured. Typically it's not, you know, all that, all, the, all those things. So to be honest, like, uh, yeah, uh, age groups and different approaches, you know, visual persons or like more uh, data people, uh, those are in the mix, but like 
typically in these cases, like uh, the the main things I look for in a project are like analytics and data for internal usage. So what's what's happening there? Like I've had some cases, not actually with, with telco companies, but I've had some cases where that data was like piled basically for, well, I can't say for years because like the project was not that old, but it's, it's been piled for some time. Uh, and the pile was very substantial. <laughs> so, um, and basically it was really undervalued because the team, well, it it was, you know, like it was just too much of a burden to, to take on anyone and uh, nobody believed in like, so the, probably was some value in it but it was like a concept it was not proven but the things we actually dug out of there uh were amazing so basically uh they did wonders for the product roadmap in short term and that was one of the cases where i was very happy that this approach really paid off for for the engineering teams for for the it projects so everyone were really really happy because i uh got uh calls from the uh client management teams like guys are actually emailing us, uh, us like you really listen like we've been asking for this fix for like months now you did it like guys thank you like we spent hours on your platform you fixed it yes and that was like you know like an you know like a hell yeah moment for 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 us uh because a lot of people were working on this we, we did a lot of heavy lifting and that data really paid off so Sorry for rambling. Uh, no, not at all. It's awesome. And I, I think there are different, well, I know there are different levels of business as well. And as soon as you get into companies that have the data, how important it is to be able to, one, save the data in a way that's as clean as possible. Um, so even if you're not using it, that the day somebody does go back to look at it, they can assess what they need to from that and uh, to be able to move forward and make projections and plans based on the data. I think as to your point, a lot of people, if they don't have the wherewithal or the capacity to be able to understand how to analyze the data, they overlook it and dismiss it. And, and it can one save you <laughs> tens of thousands, if not more, and it can make you potentially millions. Yeah, like uh, again, coming back to startups, uh, there's always like the actually controversial case of analysis paralysis. Sometimes, like you come across founders who are like have a thousand spreadsheets, like hundreds of dashboards. I'm like, guys, are you are, like how many monitors do you like? Do you have like this room full of you know TV <laughs> screens where you have actually all that in real time? I mean, why do you need so much data? That's uh, also like a good conversation point in terms of like processes and how people work with information they have. Because like if you're measuring too much, you probably know too little because like you don't understand it. Like you cannot put it down. Typically, it's like five to maybe 10 metrics you need to really have under your toes right now. Uh, and like where there's like this vast amount, you know, like thousands of keywords, you know, all competitors, everything, everything, everything. So you look at that and you say like, okay, I think we're missing the goal here. So we're, we're going to work a bit on, on alignment first and then on on, um, on specific tactics, you know, to, to tackle it. But yeah, yeah. In, in general, like uh, working with your data is, you know, making money. You don't, you lose it. That's all. <laughs> And I know somebody's going to be asking, what are those 10 key points? What do I need to know? <laughs> and I know what my answer is that, but let's go with what your answer is for that. Uh, uh, well, uh, for a, like a very high level, like a uh, high level dashboard uh, for like executive level, so to say, uh, obviously like uh, it, it depends on your product structure. 
and what you're measuring. So if we're talking about like a generic website that you're launching, maybe like you want uh, just to you know get some traction, get some subscribers. So maybe you don't really have a product at the moment. So obviously, like if you're not familiar for some reason with Google Analytics and you know, what basic digital marketing uh tracking metrics so obviously you need to know how many users you have ideally you need to know how many unique users you have uh you don't typically need the amount of sessions or like the dwell time at you know if it's an early stage product because you know that's that's just gonna throw you off track at this moment what you really need to look in are your bounce rates and in here i would actually elaborate a little bit because bounce rate is not just you know like a, a a wonderful number that we see, you know, like for a website, you know, it's blended, but uh, how it's blended, like basically what values come into it and like, what are you analyzing? So for example, if you have like an area of landing pages, which are linked to advertising campaigns, if you have a bunch of organic content, if you have some lead gen forms, like you have, I don't know, your like uh, case studies or something else, um, you cannot basically take the bounce rate of all those pages divided by the number of pages and say, this is my website bounce rate. No, that's that's absolutely incorrect. So if you have different sections of your, it's let's say digital assets. So that would probably be a better term for it. So measure them separately. So instead of like a blended bounce rate, see your landing pages separately, see your organic content separately and see everything else separately. So like, try to to be segmented in, in in this uh extent a little bit uh i mean for those people who know about you know google analytics but also they know about google search console you know like amazing so you know this this is like a, a wonderful situation to be in and and obviously uh here uh you would need to see the amount of queries and the amount of index pages you have, uh, the amount of impressions and your clicks. Um, again, like if you're just starting to rank, you're starting out there, or if you've been out there for some time, but you did not focus on organic. So basically you most probably don't really have a lot of, uh, a lot of results in terms of like good indexing, good positioning. So you're just out there in general. So unfortunately, SEO and organic uh, content does not work like that. So you, you need to work towards a goal. You need to aim uh, into something to get to something, you know? So just posting, it doesn't work. So you need to have a strategy. Um, and at this point, uh, you probably need to look at, you know, like high level numbers, like your impressions, your clicks, just to maintain the growth to see like, okay, we're, we're either, you know, when we're, we're on a plane, but you know, we're not decreasing or if you're decreasing, why, what have a breakdown. And when you do obviously remember, remember to filter them because like, uh, you will have the information for all the markets you are displayed on. And probably you have a target market like US, Australia, Canada, whatever. So be sure to look at the data that's relevant for your market. And again, not blend the data for all markets because that again, just throw your game off a lot. So Love that it. would be in a nutshell, you know, improvising here. <laughs> all good. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Um. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, I already wasted that that story on, on the on the product roadmap growth. But it honestly, it was not connected to organic uh, marketing per se. So okay, like we we can we can skip that, I guess. Uh, well, 
uh, in Telco space, uh, I had a success story uh, that basically within uh, like the company was uh, fairly new. And again, as I said, like it's a very competitive niche. It's it's not a huge market and it's only B2B. So basically like your brand awareness levels, your brand recognition, your organic is your everything. So because like uh, those like people uh, are targeted with a lot of ads. So like it's incredibly competitive. And like uh, unless you really focus on the value and on your proposition and you're very well timed when you do it, uh, you'll probably miss um, uh, miss that goal. So uh, in terms of metrics, uh, we were able to achieve about like a 30% uh, organic growth and impressions and clicks within one quarter, which I think is not too shabby for, for, for you know, such... <laughs> Uh, you know, for such circumstances. And uh, again, like here, uh, the importance of data because um, that's like uh, your uh, impressions and clicks, but does that actually translate into organic traffic? And the organic traffic growth measured with the uh, Google Analytics was at around 20%. So basically we're not just, you know, driving impressions. So we were not just showing up more on search engines. People were actually going to those links that were using this staying there which obviously increased the uh, authority of the domain uh so in uh, that was like a why it's cinderella story why it was a, a pleasant surprise for me because we actually managed to achieve growth relatively fast which is not very common for for organic or seo projects uh and the growth was pretty substantial but i mean obviously when you come to a project where not a lot was done before. Typically, it is like that for your you know, like first several quarters. Um, and uh, like the the final aspect of it was uh, the growth in organic uh, lead generation and Forbes ambitions. So those were growing as well. I cannot like give a precise number because like it's kind of hard to to, uh, to compare them to previous periods. Uh, but like, uh, it was very successful. Basically all the calendars were like for, for the key events, you know, like the, the bread and butter of any uh, B2B SaaS company, uh, were overbooked for, for the whole team for, for like a year ahead. So that, I think that was a win. That's awesome. I love it. So what are some of the stumbling blocks that a CEO might be having as they're listening to this thinking, oh, George, I need you guys so bad. Um, well, uh, I mean, like general What's going wrong in their business or, right now. Wrong. Yeah. Um, well, I think like AI is the buzzword at the moment, like generative AI and like people are saying like, okay, probably we might not need content creators. We might not need uh, content optimization. We might not need people at all. Like I have, you know, chat GPT or whatnot to, to do all that for me. Uh, and my typical comeback to that is like, okay, uh, you have like a set of like 10 core keywords, right? And you have at least five direct competitors who have the exact set of those exact uh, keywords. Uh, you all will be entering those keywords in a system that generates content in an algorithmic way, more or less, you know, similarly using the same patterns. So how much value would like the 10 of you generate all together using the same keywords within the same system. 
So if you're missing the the division, the, the human touch, so that that's basically uh, probably one one of the aspects that currently is still missing from uh, from all those like AI tools that uh, get a lot of a lot of press coverage is the creativity and the ability to uh, solve problems. They're very good, obviously, at doing repetitive tasks and anything you can quantify and anything you can put in as an algorithm. But, you know, like as that ongoing joke, like guys were safe because people need to actually say what they want. So <laughs> AI is not going to take our jobs. So that is exactly what's happening. Um, uh, because like, uh, it's not just enough to spit out a prompt, like write me a marketing plan, write me a content plan. You need to be not only specific in uh, what you're doing, but why you're doing it, for whom, um, what types of content is it clusterized in some way or do you have any specific needs and to know that like to some extent like you know advanced users may know that you can actually reverse engineer this and ask uh, ai tools like uh, what am i missing like critique this you know so you can get that information if you're not a professional but ideally having a professional on your team regardless if it's like a developer a designer a content marketer or like a media buyer uh, that guarantees that you already have all that expertise on board and also it guarantees the expertise of solving non-conventional issues that you may not you know uh, that the ai may simply miss as i think there there were some recent researches in like the um uh, the quality of the code AI is generated because like that's one of the best things like the, the uh, you know, those algorithms are best at generating code obviously you know computers are good talking with computers I mean, that makes sense but like uh, as far as I remember I think uh, only 60 or 65 percent of the code generated from first time from a prompt was actually working and was of decent quality that can be compared to a developer. So, you know, what I'm trying to say, still a long way to go. Uh, and you just don't need a human touch. You need a vision. If you're missing a vision, AI is not going to help you. Nobody is going to help you. If you're a business owner, you need to know not just, you know, what you're doing, but why you're doing it and where you want to go. I mean, there's a very good quote I, I like that, you know, I think it's attributed to Robert Bosch, but, you know, you cannot trust the internet with those things. Um, but it said that basically I don't hire professionals to tell them what to do. So, and I really like this, this approach. So I think that's what needs to happen in most companies when, you know, organic marketing, marketing or not. I love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you? Uh, easy. Uh, I hope uh, <laughs> you leave uh, some of my links uh, under your video, under your podcast, and uh, mostly I connect with people uh, via LinkedIn because, like you know, that that's that's my bread and butter. Um, we don't really focus on you know getting uh, a lot of leads on our websites because, like, our client acquisition is mostly word of mouth, and we're really happy with it because, again, like organic. <laughs> I love it. So of course we will have all of George's links in the show notes. So go ahead and scroll down, open up those links and open up them up in the new browser because we're not done yet. So George, at what point in life did you know you're a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Uh that is an amazing question, really. <laughs> um uh actually, yes, that was a very specific point in life. Uh because 
because I was doing fairly well as as a as an employee, you know, and you know, we were, uh, as one of my business partners says, they're like having like those cushy uh, corporate jobs, you know, with insurance and all of that. Why would you trade that, you know, for handling your own accounting, your insurance, you know, everything? Uh, and yes, that was like there was a pivotal moment. Uh, I met a girl. Uh, we're happily married. We have a kid. Uh, and, uh, at, uh, one point in our relationship, we understood that we are spending three to six hours daily in a commute. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's cool because like, we, you know, we earn, we, we have a lot of possibilities, you know, the world is open to us, but, uh, you know, like we had a simple, uh, for example, we had, we had a simple thing. We wanted a dog and we, we're thinking like okay we get a dog and who is actually going to look at that dog to you know to see it grow up or do anything uh and you cannot leave a puppy for like six hours or like 12 i mean like who does that uh, uh obviously you know uh bring your animals to the office was not a thing yet at the moment uh, but yeah, like we sort of, we started thinking, how are we going to make this work? How are we going to generate value for ourselves? Um, and we decided that we are going to uh, take, basically it was a huge step back in our, uh, careers because, uh, we basically had to unlearn everything we knew as, uh, corporate employees, uh, my then girlfriend now wife she just got her her phd so you know the future was looking very bright for her and we stuck to that commitment right now so sometimes we still like look at look back and we say like we did good it's it's not easy but we did good because like i mean we've seen the first steps of our baby we have a lot of uh pleasant and not so much conversations with her you know still a bit gibberish but you know, she's not happy with us most of the time, <laughs> but we get that feedback. <laughs> we get that feedback. <clears throat> and I uh -huh. think that's, you, you cannot buy it. You cannot trade that. You cannot have it any other way. So, you know, a bet well played. I love it. You have been absolutely awesome. Thank you. Any last words for our peeps? That sounded, you know, <laughs> any last words? <laughs> <laughs> Some very <laughs> final. <laughs> not, yeah. not that final. <laughs> um. Actually, uh, you know, I, I, I'm always trying to, you know, to 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 keep it real, as Will Smith used to say, you know, and to be down to earth with my clients. And I hate to sound like an expert or know it all because nobody likes those people, really. Uh, I, I I don't care what you say. Nobody likes them. Bottom of our hearts. So uh, always, if, if I have something to say and people are willing to listen, it's just, you know, stay human. Stay human in what you do, stay human in your approach, stay human in your business, think about people. And that will always, always pay back. Uh, it will always pay back in generating all amazing value for your clients who will bring in more clients. It will pay back in uh, advocacy and brand awareness and in working and enjoying your life and your work because you're surrounded by amazing people who love you and what you do because you do it for them. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Same, same. Thank you. Have a good one. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. 
Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.